Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome back to the Owl Chat Podcast. It is midweek time once again here in the second week of January. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and partner, John Finer. Producer Nick is also in the building with us, as long, along with social media guy Tim. John, how are we doing this week? I'm doing good, Kai. Uh, what's the official ruling here on the Owl Chat Podcast with Happy New Year? Is it January 3rd, January 10th, month of January? What's the cutoff? As in, like, when, you know, we're supposed to stop saying it? Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to even mention it at all. Like, uh, hey, I think I don't think there's like a hard cutoff thing just in general. I think it's uh, like, a you know, first time you see people within the new year type of thing. So I think that makes us completely ineligible to continue saying Happy New Year. Yeah. So we messed up from the start. Uh, what's your take on this, uh, producer Nick? Be our uh, voice of reason. I say there's a split between uh, professional lifestyle and personal lifestyle. If it's friends and family, like you should probably tell them happy new year sometime within the first uh, few days of the new year. Uh, professionally, I think it could go up until the back end of January, um, especially if you're in a sales role and that's just kind of how it works. But I would say it's different personally and professionally. I it's say we can try to see people. Let's try to take this into June, and then once it gets to July, we can wish everyone a happy 2025. So I'd like to try something new. That is really confusing, but um, moving on, uh, we'll start with the um, some of the lesser talked about sports around Kennesaw State athletics. Um, so no golf again, no tennis again, no cross country, no track. Um, we still don't have a soccer coach. We will update you when we get an update on that, um, but the softball schedule was released, and that was probably the biggest piece of news um, from the last week. Um, it came out on January 8th. Uh, so the softball owls will open play at the Texas State Tournament on February 9th against the host, Texas State. Um, I think it's a four-game scheduled tournament. Um, I haven't looked into if there's any type of advancement or if it's just kind of like a round-robin type of deal. Um, but before getting into the meat of their schedule, KSU will host the Kennesaw State Tournament at home, as well as the I-75 Challenge, um, and then travel to Orlando for the UCF Tournament and to Idaho for the Boise State Tournament. Uh, the rest of non-conference play includes home games against in-state opponents Mercer, UGA, Georgia Tech, and Georgia State, as well as an away game against Georgia Tech. Um, the full home schedule will include 30 home games, so come out and support one of the more historic programs um, at Kennesaw State. Um, and check out the full schedule um, just on the official KSU website. Yeah, and we have some uh, football news. Um, Let's start with the bad news first. Um, As you guys know, cornerbacks coach uh, Darius Safford left for Georgia Southern. And with that being said, we lost some defensive backs. Uh, Defensive back Chance Gamble entered the transfer portal since our last show and also since our last show has committed to uh, Georgia Southern to join Coach Safford. About an hour or two after Gamble announced his transfer on Twitter, um, transfer DeAndre Morris also decided to go to Georgia Southern as well. So I'm sure there was some kind of coordination uh, between those two, or I would assume so. Um, so uh, let's get back into uh, you know some more owl-related news. Uh, listener Kyle E asks uh, thoughts on who will have major roles in the defensive backfield after the departures of Chance Gamble and DeAndre Morris. Uh, my answer number one is uh, Javen Williams. Um, he's going into his third year now. He's a uh, super athletic kid from uh, Alabama. He was a successful three-sport athlete with basketball and baseball. Um, you also can't discount the rapid progression of Jerico Washington as a true freshman. Uh, so let's see what uh, steps he takes next. Also looking at the experience of a transfer like Tyler Hallam. And the wild cards that will be fun to watch will be the two converted quarterbacks who got moved to the secondary and Nick Sawyer and D'Angelo Hardy. They start their second years on uh, defense. Uh, Kai, who catches your eye of any of those names or perhaps some others? Um, First, I want to say it really sucks to lose um, Gamble and Morris. You know, those were two kind of the cornerstone guys that we were expecting to have back next year. So 
Um, that really sucks. But also, you know, with the transition to FCS to FBS, you really don't know how those guys are going to look against competition at the next level. Um, I'm with you too. I think Jerico Washington is going to be the one to watch, you know, uh, put up some big numbers and, um, and only a nine game season last year. Um, he's definitely my favorite. I think Sidney Porter is also worth a mention. Um, I believe he still has eligibility left. He's more of a safety though. I think um, I was sure. trying to think of more of the cornerback spot, but I guess sure. the safety role, I guess that would answer the question because DeAndre Morris, I think was more of a safety as well. So, but yeah, Sidney Porter would be a great one. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so this what I think uh, Jerico Washington was really fun to watch last year. Um, and you know, uh, it sucks. Like I said, losing gamble and Morris, but maybe we see him take on a bigger role and put up even better numbers. Yeah. And also freshman uh, cornerback Devin Ross from uh, Thomas County Central or whatnot is, uh, you know, one to watch out of our recruiting class that has already committed. So, uh, yeah, uh, we have some coaching news. Um, we've been playing tag with this and poking at this dead body for weeks, but uh, Coach Burton to Troy is officially official. <laughs> um, the Owls are yet to hire a DC. I have no idea who Bohannon will go with, but knowing his history, you know, somebody that's worked at Georgia Tech probably has a leading consideration. Also, wouldn't rule out, you know, an internal hire like Greg Harris or even Liam Klein. I mean, to be honest with you, I think Greg Harris was a coordinator at another level once upon a time. And Coach Klein has been with Coach Bohannon through the end and is kind of, I think, his right-hand man as a recruiting coordinator. So if for some reason it was Coach Klein, then I'm I'm thinking he might have to hand off some of his responsibilities in the recruiting coordinator spots. I don't know how that would work, but um, do you have any preference on you know who you want to see take that spot, Kai? Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Georgia Tech connection because I think it's something you mentioned on Twitter a few weeks ago um, that Georgia Tech recently let go of Andrew Thacker, who was part of the Jeff Collins staff at Tech. Um, I think it, that's a realistic uh, scenario, him ending up at KSU. That being said, as somebody you know who quietly still roots for Tech, um, when I'm not on the podcast, uh, I was not the biggest Thacker fan. Um, but currently, I would say I have no preference. I, I do really hope that Burton's exit was communicated with Bohannon more clearly and uh, concisely than it was to the general public. Um, and so things aren't too messy. But yeah, that's all I got. Well, Andy McCollum could be another name. I mean, you never know. Like literally anybody that's under, you know, 90 years old that's been at Tech, you know, is is in consideration. Ted Roof. Um, but, uh, you know. Ted Roof did just get fired. Yeah. So. Yeah. By and, his, you know, sixth school. Exactly. You know, and I tweeted out, you know, the roof, the roof, Ted Roof just got fired. You know, it's just it's just fun to say that. But hopefully his kid um, was like a three time transfer uh, before it was cool to do so. So really? <laughs> I, think, I think he started at Tech and then followed his dad to NC State and then went to App State. TD Roof, he was all over the place. Hell, he might still be playing college football. I don't know. I'm I'm down with bringing in a trendsetter, so that's great. But yeah, uh, I have a feeling since we, we just hired some other uh, coaches, uh, we hired a defensive line coach and a cornerbacks uh, coach. Um, that you know Burton did leave after the other two guys because otherwise I would imagine we would have hired the defensive coordinator as a priority first. I'm guessing these other two guys may have already been in motion. And you know what I mean? We're we're not going to take back an offer or a verbal. I doubt we'd do that. You know, let, let's get him in there um, and, uh, you know, go from there. But before we uh, talk about that, I would like to just make a, a note from producer Nick. He is wondering what roof's ceiling is. Uh, so, but up, great job, producer Nick, on that one. Thank you for that. Um, so, with the other defensive staff additions, we hired uh, Mike Pelton, um, not to be confused with Mike Peloton for, with my autocorrect, um, a 1995 fifth round draft pick out of Auburn to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, as a defensive tackle, uh, was later signed by the Colts. Can't find any recorded NFL stats, but he had 10 sacks in the senior year at Auburn. Uh, Pelton coached at uh, Troy, Iowa State, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Georgia Tech, and most recently was the D.C. at Sewanee or the University of the South or whatever the hell they're called. Um, he coached uh, DeMarcus Ware, so that's something to hang his hat on. Um, the Owls also hired uh, Ray Smith to coach defensive backs, and he spent his last six years at Southeastern uh, Missouri State. Kai, do you have any thoughts on these guys? 
Uh, yeah, the one thing that jumps out to me with Pelton is it looks like he took like four or five years off from coaching between, I think, 2018 and 2022. Uh, that confuses me a little bit because I think he left Tech at the end of the uh, Paul Johnson era, and then he was the D.C. at Sewanee for a year or uh, the University of the South, which is news to me. Um, so that's a little... Was he not a position coach or something like that? I, I was looking at his resume and I couldn't find any information on him coaching anywhere between uh, 18 and 22. Wow. We have producer Nick on this just to verify, but yeah, that's a little, uh, that's a little surprising. Uh, you know, usually when something happens like that, it might be, you know, a quasi retirement career change or just a family situation. So, I mean, yeah, it's entirely possible. It doesn't seem like he ever had any aspirations of climbing the coaching ladder and being like a head coach someday. So um, maybe after, you know, Georgia tech had their whole, you know, staff change, he was just like, you know what, this isn't for me. A couple of years go by, you know, his kids grow up and he's itching to get back into it. You know, he, uh, he latches on at Sewanee and now, uh, you know, KSU is just the logical next step. So I'm not going to judge it. It It's just a little weird nugget that stands out to me. Um, as far as Ray Smith goes, um, you know, this is his first big gig. So I think he's going to be hungry. I think he's going to, you know, on the flip side, I think he is a guy who might be looking to kind of climb that coaching ladder and progress up. And, you know, this is a bigger job for him. So um, really excited about it. You know, neither of these guys are going to be make or break type hires for any kind of season, you know, position coach is never going to change a, a year that drastically, but um, I, I'm not disappointed with the hires. That's what I'll say. Yeah. I mean, you can't really, it's hard to judge these hires, you know, you got to trust the coaches and doing the homework unless something's like obnoxiously bad, you know, we'll, we'll probably know, um, but you got to trust the coaches on these, but producer Nick did confirm. Yeah. There's, you know, six years between Georgia tech and Suwani, you know, chalk up a couple years maybe he wanted to stay home because of covid who knows lots of things could happen but um you know even coach glanton took a year off um left ksu we brought in like joe speed or whatever to coach one of my favorite names to coach running backs and we brought coach glanton back and uh you know sometimes you just need some time off which is perfectly fine so uh, those guys will get up and running pretty quickly i'm sure i'm very excited to hear who the dc is gonna be um, Kai, if you had to put your money though, would you say outside hire or internal hire? Um, I would say outside. I think that's, uh, generally the shift, um, that's happening in the program. I think we're leaning towards making more outside hires and trying to get, you know, splashy names. Um, doesn't mean they're, you know, uneducated or miscalculated, but, um, I think that's, uh, an emphasis Bohannon's putting on some of these hires. Yeah. Last time we went in-house with Verpal, it didn't work out too well, so, uh, you know, but uh, we do have some commitments, some good news here. Uh, we'll start off with the big one. Uh, Donovan Westmoreland. He is a transfer from the South Carolina Gamecocks. He will be playing uh, outside linebacker for KSU, was listed as a four-star recruit on 24-7 and a three-star on Rivals out of Griffin High School in 2022, which is the same high school course as Brian Bohannon. Uh, he reported offers from UGA, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Mississippi State, Maryland, and more out of high school. So he has a big pedigree. Um, not sure, you know, where things went wrong um, the past couple of years, but hopefully we can get him back on track. Uh, this recruiting cycle, he had offers from Western Kentucky, App State, UTEP, Southeast Missouri State, Jacksonville State, and UAB. So lots of schools, you know, at our newfound FBS level. So, you know, he's he's right where he belongs. Um, he does not have any recorded stats that I noticed, but he should have three years of eligibility uh, remaining. Um, I was very excited about this one. Um, you know, anytime you can get a for, a guy that was a, you know, a four-star recruit by some services, especially as a 24-7 a type or 247, however you want to say it, you know, that, that has my attention. Doesn't mean it's going to you know, translate stars obviously disappear once you hit the field, but it means there was something there at least as a, at some point. Um, how are you feeling about this one, Kai? You know, I almost prefer these types of players to have no recorded stats. So they're, you know, more of a mystery and it's like, okay, maybe there was an injury that wasn't, you know, reported or, you know, that some coach didn't like a guy and they got an unfair shake and, you know, kind of remains a mystery. He kind of, you know, comes in fresh and as a, as a four star, like you said, you know, that disappears once you hit the field, but I mean, he's exactly the same player. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see power five, former four-star, you know, guy who maybe got unlucky in a situation. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a big get for us. 
Exactly. And it could be as also, it could be as simple as, Hey, maybe he was playing, you know, out of position or something right. at the other school and wasn't making an impact. Maybe he wanted to play outside linebacker, but the other school had him on the defensive line or something like that. And, you know, he has to lose some weight or gain some weight or, you know, there's so many things that could be happening. Um, so again, it's one of those things, you know, you have to trust the coaching staff, put a little faith. Um, but you know, I'm really hoping, you know, for some kind of impact here, but we'll see. Right. It's also a big deal, like you said, to uh, win a recruiting battle over, you know, other teams in our conference um, and to kind of get off on the right foot going into Conference USA and, you know, showing ourselves that we can compete with these guys in recruiting battles. So, um, yeah, nothing but good stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hear uh, Donovan Westmoreland is already enrolled and I believe he's already on campus. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's good for him. I'll let you know if I spot him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You better start studying some pictures of the guy. It's so much harder with football players. Like when you're a student and walking around campus, like, you know, with basketball, you know, you see their face every time on yeah. camera, you see their whole head, you know, what they look like and even to baseball to an extent, but these guys have their helmets on, man. You can't, you don't really know what they look like without that number. Well, here's the thing is, uh, you know, college football players really want you to know that they're college football players. So um, I'm, I'm sure I'll see a, a number on, you know, a pair of yeah. shorts or a shirt or something. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You have to look at their bag or whatever <laughs> for the number. That's, that's the way to go, but you know, spotting them by their face, you know, that's not going to work. <laughs> um, we also have a uh, commitment, a preferred walk-on commitment from Georgia military college transfer, Britton Williams. Uh, prior to GMC, he attended uh, Georgia Southern three years ago. And then before that was from Richmond Hill high school. Uh, Williams' uh, field goal long in high school was uh, 54, in college multiple times at 49, and in practice he's hit from 65. Um, three years ago at Georgia Southern, he was 4 for 4 in field goals um, and was Georgia Southern's kickoff specialist. Uh, last year at Georgia Military College, he was 9 for 14. Um, he was at field goals with a long of 49 and 23 for 24 on point afters. Um, it was hard to find more information, but I dug deeper. Not every game had, you know, play by play, but last season he hit from 25 twice, 31, 39, 43, 45, 49, missed wide from 31 and short from 45. And he did not do kickoffs at GMC. So just the fact that he can hit from 65 in warmups, I mean, that's that's something that gives me some kind of optimism. Yeah. Uh, do we know if he's a preferred walk-on or if he's on scholarship? Uh, he's a preferred walk-on. Gotcha, gotcha. At least to start um, out with. Yeah. So first and foremost, shout out Georgia Military College and uh, Mason Mulder, who plays there, who I played high school football with. But um, yeah, you know, sigh of relief. We have at least an option at kicker. I think you and I would both be more than okay with us adding one more, um, you know, hopefully some guy who's worthy of a scholarship, but um, definitely relieving that we're not going to be relying on, you know, a guy who was the third string kicker um, on our roster last year of a, you know, room of kickers that wasn't all that great. So um, yeah, big stuff. Yeah. I think we really need to have two. I mean, we can't be, you know, we can't risk last year happening again. Um, so we need to have some competition here. And, you know, I don't really see too much competition already on the roster. So, you know, with Cummins not coming back, not not that he'd be great competition anyway, who knows, but we really need more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I will not be addressing the um, tryout rumors on this podcast. <laughs> that was my next question. Uh, when will you be addressing these rumors? Uh, if it happens, I will let you know. <laughs> I don't have a pair of cleats um, in Kennesaw currently, so that's a that's a bit of an issue. I will uh, find some uh, well, if you if you find me some cleats, then, you know, problem solved. But I think the pressure's off a little bit now. <laughs> you know what? Well, any listeners have a pair of cleats and can, what size are your uh, what size do you wear, Kai? Uh, ten and a half. Ten and a half cleats. If anybody has any, get them to Kai, get them to us, DM us. We will make sure to get them to Kai before tryouts. Hey, just want to say I'm not picky either because uh, I left my cleats at home a couple of times going to practice and kicked in lineman cleats and hit some bombs. So, you know. <laughs> what, what, what is your range looking like in, uh, in practice? I have not kicked a football since uh, last January. So, um I, I couldn't tell you but, what was it last time uh I got to a point where I was probably hitting 
50 to 70% of my kicks from 45. Okay. So yeah, you could have started last year. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. Switching on to women's basketball news, uh, the women's basketball team lost 70-54 to on the road to Mercer last Tuesday. We were down 18 at halftime, never recovered. Princess Harden, double-double, like always. Carly Hooks, 8 for 16, 22 points. Uh, we had five assists and 21 turnovers. Uh, the Owls returned home to start conference play and crushed the atrocious Queens Royals. Uh, the Owls opened on a 17-4 to run and never really looked back, even though it was fairly even after that, according to the score. Um, we hit a season-high six three-pointers, and Princess Harden had yet another double-double. KSU turned it over an alarming 27 times against a bad this this game home against queens you're based on net rating and everything you're not going to find an easier game than that that's like putting the little marker in the center of your bingo board and as long as you show up you get the spot and we did that we showed up we got it um and this coming week we have two more home games that we have a chance to really pad our uh schedule a little bit here and get some get it to 2-0 and or 3-0 uh, we play North Florida on Thursday night and then Jacksonville on Saturday at two. Uh, North Florida is a net ranking of 249. Jacksonville is a net of 265 and KSU is a net of 264. With all of that being said, KSU is the home team. So I would like to think we are better than both of those and can take both of those games. Um, they, both of those teams will be much tougher tests than Queens, who is literally one of the 15 or 16 worst teams in the country in division one for, uh, you know, women's basketball. So we really need to do a better job of, you know, hanging on to the ball. Cause if we don't, if we turn it over, you know, 27 times versus any team that is not Queens, we're probably going to lose. Yeah. You know, those are two teams who are, yeah, like you said, roughly in the same area when it comes to net rankings and, you know, we got them at home and these are the fringe games that we got to win if we want this to be, um, an overachieving type season, which we both think this could be, but, um, you know, when you lose the production that you did, um, our expectations aren't that great, but still got to hope for the best. Um, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to knock us for performing like we did against Queens too much. Like we did blow them out. And I think we held them to three in the first quarter. I yeah. unfortunately couldn't watch the game, but you know, business was taken care of. Um, but you can't take too much out of it. We got two good tests coming up. So, yeah, like I said, it's that's that's the one we you know we we took care of business. Yeah. Um, we breezed through them. If we lost, there would be some serious problems. But after that game, you know, it it gets quite a bit uh, a bit tougher. Hey, I mean, look, there is a greater than zero chance that we start three and zero in conference. I mean, that's a real possibility. So, you know, we'll yeah, see. yeah, we'll be looking back on these at the end of the season. I'll tell you that and. You know, I'm really hoping, you know, just by how the season's turned out so far. I mean, I don't think we're going to be, you know, we're probably going to, you know, be best, you know, within a game or two of 500, you know, give or take somewhere to end the season. I would hope or I would think if it's better than that, that's awesome. But, you know, I don't think we'll be more than a game or two above 500 in conference. Right. And, uh, you know, these are the games that you got to win to hit that goal. These are the uh, the ones you got to steal. Yes. We have some news on the men's basketball scene. Uh, if you listen to our podcast with Aaron, we previewed the Stetson game, and that was uh, last night. So hopefully that went well. We're recording this on Tuesday, so cross our fingers. But Kai is going to preview FGCU, which we play tomorrow night at home. What do you got for us, Kai? Yeah, so just want to clarify, like you said, this is being recorded before the Stetson game, but will be published after the Stetson game. So, you know, when we get deeper into some of the ASUN talk, you know, there might be some outdated information. That being said, um, most of the Florida Gulf Coast stuff will stay the same. Uh, so FGCU comes off a disappointing year in 2023, where they finished 10th in the ASUN at 7-11. and 11. They were actually eliminated from the ASUN tournament in Kennesaw last year. 
um, in a playing game against Queens in front of maybe 40 people. Um, it was quite the sight to see. And half of the crowd was um, the KSU basketball team. Um, but this season, they got up to a pretty awful start in non-conference play, only picking up D1 wins against FIU, who, you know, boat raced us and then a winless at the time, Georgia Southern. And then things seemed to reach an all-time low when they went to overtime with NAIA Florida Memorial. But then just a week later, they defeated top 10 Florida Atlantic at home and then followed it up with a conference win against Jacksonville. But most recently, the Eagles suffered a blowout loss to North Florida at home. Um, we'll get into what we think about North Florida a little bit later in the episode, but to be honest, I think we're all still pretty clueless on what FGCU could be this year in the A-Sun. Um, Fifth-year senior in Purdue transfer Isaiah Thompson missed a chunk of the start of the season, um, but currently leads the team in scoring at 13.8 points per game. Princeton transfer Keyshawn Kelman has been one of the best additions in the conference this year. He averages 11.7 a game and uh, brings down seven boards a game. Uh, one thing I did want to note uh, I really hope he graduated from Princeton because nothing against Florida Gulf Coast academics, but um, I would think that's a pretty significant downgrade uh, in academia. Um, but, you know, uh, so they typically go eight to nine deep, depending on how healthy their roster is. The last few games have been going nine deep, so uh, they should match up with us pretty well. Um, but, you know, they're a mystery. Um, it's one of those games that I think the 2024 Owls need to be capable of winning. Um, especially at home, uh, especially after, you know, playing Stetson, which could very easily be our first conference loss of the year. Um, there needs to be an emphasis on this one for us. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of weird doing a podcast where everybody else that's listening is going to know the results of the game while they're listening. So we could sound really stupid right now if we're like, oh, we could lose to Stetson and then we beat them by like 30 or something like that. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Kai. You know, we don't know what we're going to get from FGCU, uh, but I assume we're going to play them twice, perhaps. So we do need to take care of business, you know, at home, like you mentioned with the women's team. That way, because the odds of getting the best effort from FGCU will be greater in Fort Myers. But as I mentioned on the Queens postgame show, we are the defending champs. So we are going to get everybody's best. Nobody's going to be, you know, just floating by and overlooking us this year for whatever reason. Yeah. So to answer your question about the scheduling, we close the season. It may be in a different order, but we close the season with a matching road trip to this opening homestand. So we close with the road games against Stetson, FGCU and Queens. I believe, but yeah, um, I'm going to go ahead and predict a win. Uh, I have a feeling that the FAU game was a little fluky. I didn't watch it, but it, I guess that's somewhat of a rivalry down there. It looked like the crowd was super into it. Um, and FAU has been reeling recently. I don't think they're a top 10 team in the country. Um, so that one might be a little misleading, um, but you know, we both agree. This is uh, this is one that could be a swing game. Um, FGCU, I think has the talent uh, to finish middle to high in the conference. Um, so still a lot left to, uh, be explored, but yeah. 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 FGCU has been up and down. They're without Andre Ware. They're without, you know, Chase Johnston and, you know, they've been injury prone, like you said. So I'm, you know, I'm going to say we should beat them. We will beat them. I'm going to go, I'm going to say two and oh this week. Why not? Um, but again, this is, you know, if people make the mistake of, you know, looking at us and, you know, thinking, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're the champions, we're great. And, you know, we, we get ahead of ourselves. We can lose to pretty much any team, you know, in the league on any given night. Um, so we need to, you know, keep focused and do it one game at a time. That's the only way we're going to finish what 15 and three again, literally the only way one at a time. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because I think the Stetson game is probably less important in the long run because they may be a step ahead of us now. Um, and, you know, like you said, this might sound completely ridiculous if we post this podcast and we win by, you know, 20 or 30. Um, but, you know, they might be a step ahead of us and we might be able to chase them down by the end of the year. Um, but I think that's the game that the team and the, the students and the crowd is going to get up for more just middle of the week. Um, I'm sure they'll open, you know, the upper levels and it's going to be a great atmosphere. And I think uh, Stetson has a lot of respect. Um, but I think the Florida Gulf Coast game is probably more important. Um, so it, it'll be interesting, but yeah. we'll see. If we somehow drop to st drop to Stetson, we are going to be zoned in, and I have no doubt we'll take the FGCU game. So, uh, if we don't finish one and one at the worst, like if we go zero and two, I will be shocked and floored. So, I think you know I'm really looking at one and one as the worst case scenario, and optimistic for two and zero. 
Yeah, I'm not going to go as far to say as it would be a disaster to go 0-2 because I don't think that's, you know, season derailing quite, but um, it would be really, really disappointing and unexpected. I'm with you. Yeah, disheartening for sure. I mean, you know, this early in the season, it's hard to be, you know, a disaster per se, but I definitely see what you mean. Yeah, it's not going to put us out of anything. Yeah. So um, before we get into some of our um, listener comments, uh, we'll go around the ASUN real quick. Uh, just get everybody caught up to date. We do have some big news as of today um, out of the Lipscomb camp. Uh, Jacob Ignacevich, who is one of the best players in the conference, has been ruled out for the season, um, and he will be taking a red shirt. So that is major, major news. Um, I think at one point Lipscomb was the odds-on favorite to win the conference, um, and now they're without their best player. Uh, they still have Will Pruitt. They still got talent. They're still not going to be you know a team to run over, but. Um, it is, you know, major news within the conference. Um, so starting at the top, we'll start with the two 2-0 two teams. Um, in first place, uh, tied up at the top are Stetson and EKU. EKU got home wins over Lipscomb and Austin P. Stetson got their wins at home as well against North Florida and Jacksonville. Uh, the 1-0 teams include, of course, Arkansas State, who we talked plenty about, um, and Central Arkansas, who got a nice road win over uh, Northern Alabama. Um, they get EKU at home and then will likely get a chance to pick up uh, a second win when they host Bellarmine. So a decent start for uh, Central Arkansas. Um, and then sitting at one and one, we've got the biggest crowd. We've got UNF, Lipscomb, Austin P, and Florida Gulf Coast. Austin P got a blowout win over Bellarmine and then fell to EKU. UNF lost a close, uh, close road game to Stetson. I think it was 75-74 um, and then blew out FGCU on the roads. So that was a nice win. Uh, Lipscomb bounced back after their loss to EKU with a road win over Bellarmine um, and FGCU. You know, we talked plenty about already. Um, and then down in the 1-0 groups, we have UNA and Queens. Uh, Queens fell to KSU and UNA lost to Central Arkansas. And then at the very bottom, we have the uh, Jacksonville Dolphins and the Bellarmine Knights, who are both 0-2, currently the cellar dwellers. Um, and I've got a feeling that they'll probably stay down there. That's right. Uh, social media director Tim Desmond, uh, Jacksonville <laughs> will stay in the basement. Uh, so just letting you know that. I'm sure he knows as well. So. Uh, okay, so John, I have I actually have a top five ready to go. And now that I'm looking at it, I'm tempted to change it, but I think I'm going to run with it. But I will let you start with your top three in the uh, conference currently. All right, my top three, um, you know, Lipscomb, they lost. They were they're one and one, I believe, and they lost Ignacevich. So that kind of plays into it just a little bit. So I'm going to I'm just going to put KSU at the top defending champs undefeated one and oh we beat Queens this year at home during the regular season didn't do that last year during the regular season so I'll say uh, KSU um, I'll say Lipscomb and then I'll say EKU with um, Stetson being my number four um, and number five you know you could probably make an argument for FGCU or Austin P or something like that but uh, who are your five? Okay, so I am definitely going to balance out the uh, bias accusations towards the podcast, John. Um, so I'm going to start with Stetson at the top. Um, I'm going to eat my words earlier, and I'm going to put EKU number two. Um, and, you know, things are starting to become more clear as conference play begins. And EKU is definitely one of the more talented um, teams in the conference. Um, so, you know, I will I will humble myself there. I was kind of a hopeful hater on the EKU downfall, but it looks like, you know, that might not happen. Um, but I think... Uh, Ignacevich or not, EKU maybe has the best win in conference so far this year. Um, they had a convincing win over Lipscomb, so I've got them at number two. At number three, I've got UNF, who had a one no. loss on the road to Stetson and then a blowout win at FGCU, which is a tough place to play. So that's that's my wild card. Um, and then a tier below, I have Lipscomb. And then at five, I have KSU. I don't think KSU is going to stay down there, but currently, you know, they're one and zero with a close home win to Queens. It's a game they easily could have won. Um, so, I am, I'm having a hard time committing to the superiority of KSU this year at this point in the conference season. Obviously, I hope that changes, but that's my current list. So we're shaking it up a bit. North Florida, I mean, they they shoot like a hundred more threes than any other team in the country. That's going to be hot and cold and. You know, oh man, that's that's this, that's at, rough. At this point in the early conference season, I think they have a top three um, list of results. I think they have a top three resume. Okay, we'll see. And you know, I you chose Stetson at the top. I chose KSU. So by the time this podcast drops, one of us is going to be 
you know, correct at number one or more correct than the other at number one. So him is trying to tell me that my take is worse than Jacksonville. So, you know, time will tell. Time yes. Will tell. For those that don't know, uh, we've been hinting <laughs> at it these last two podcasts. Um, we did a little uh, group chat before the season. You know, who are your top three? Just float them out there, compare each other's. And Tim put Jacksonville as his number three. Um, I don't know if you want to hop on here, Tim, and defend your actions or because they are indefensible, but we'll give you a chance if you'd like. Yeah, I'll gladly defend myself here. Jacksonville sitting at nine and five. Uh, when we had this poll, they were looking good. I've watched probably three Jacksonville games. They were lately solid. So they looked a lot better than North Florida versus uh, Stetson. But yeah, it's definitely changed. They're not in my top three. Okay, I'm going to actually jump in and defend Tim here. I think this is kind of like a TCU win the college football playoff type of argument. It's like, okay, their resume might not be the best, but they took care of business. So it's hard for me to say they don't deserve it. Um, so I actually kind of kind of sympathize with your reasoning, Tim. Um, that being said, I think they've been hit with the reality of conference play um, and the fairy tale is over. Yeah, speaking of the resume, uh, they beat Georgia Southern. They beat Robert Morris at Robert Morris. They beat Fairleigh Dickinson. They beat Campbell. They beat Georgia Southern for a second time. And they also Who hasn't? True. <laughs> but they also beat UL Monroe. Not bad resume right there. Sounds like they might have one top 300 win. <laughs> you, it's funny. Kai has North Florida and Tim has Jacksonville as kind of like your little pet project teams, both from the same city. Mm -hmm. so you guys are going to get like that. What's it called? What do they call it? The River City Rumble or something like that. I don't I don't know. But when they play, man, you guys are going to be going at it. You guys need to like grab some popcorn and watch that game together. Oh, it's going to be game of the year for the podcast. <laughs> Since, you know, <laughs> we're deciding to push this narrative. But um, you oh, know. you know, they play twice. So I, I'm, oh, I'm sure. Man. Yeah, I'm sure they rivalry. If they don't play twice, somebody's doing the scheduling wrong. So I do wonder, is there any um bad blood between those schools that's got to be like a that's got to be some sort of rivalry right oh it, i mean it already is it's i i think like i said i think they call it the river city is that what they call it i think so um, don't quote me on that um but yeah i'm sure there is some bad blood and you know both teams want to beat the other one i mean i i don't know if it's bad blood as in you know both teams want to like stab each other but like you know they obviously want to win that game probably more than most others yeah, I mean, you go overseas, you do have some sort, you know, some of those stab each other type rivalries, but uh, not in Jacksonville, ace on basketball. There, there's enough stabbing in Jacksonville to go around, so we don't need to bring it on report. <laughs> Says John from Atlanta. Anyways. That's me from the <laughs> suburbs. Anyways, anyways. Um, John, you want to kick us off with some of the uh, listener responses? Yeah, so every Tuesday, we give you guys on Twitter a topic and we call it uh, Topic Tuesday, and you tell us your thoughts. So today's question, well, Tuesday's question that we posed, uh, would you rather Kennesaw invest in a new football stadium or a new basketball arena? So we'll go around with some of the responses that were sent in by our listeners. Uh, TMAC writes, football stadium 10 out of 10 times. Uh, a, the convo is currently fine and sort of cool. B, the state just built Georgia State a new arena. They are in process of building Georgia Southern new arena. They will eventually build us a new arena, but they are never expanding Fifth Third Bank Stadium or building us a new stadium. I think he makes a good point. Uh, to be honest, that's not something that came to mind, but he's definitely right. Um, and you would hope with the, the success and national notoriety of Kennesaw State basketball that, you know, we would be next in line. Um because if Southern gets one, you know, and it's being paid for by the state, then, you know, we should definitely get one. We just got to keep winning and then we can put more political pressure, I suppose, on uh, on the government to uh, to give us some money. Absolutely. Lobby, lobby, lobby. Speaking of lobbying, I'll go to our next comment. Well, Kai has it. Sure. Yeah. Good friend of the show, Carrick Martin. Shout out to Carrick on Twitter says, I would rather us invest in infrastructure around our stadiums football, a covered practice facility, sports medicine building, basketball, a second offside practice court for the men's and women's basketball teams, baseball slash softball, a larger indoor uh, facility slash second facility. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be a hell of a lot cheaper, I would imagine, or at least somewhat cheaper than building an entire uh, new stadium. Like what's cheap these days? Nothing. But uh, Carrick is very tuned in onto what we need. And, you know, if we can't get a stadium for a while, practically, we could, you know, advance other interests. There is a second offsite practice court, though, isn't there? Because I've seen pictures of the basketball team practicing somewhere else. Well, there's a pra- there's a practice court, you know, on the end of campus, but there's only one of those. There's other than that, it's just a convocation center, which is sometimes, you know, I think bogged down by graduations and events, that sort right. of thing. But the, right. I think the the men and women have to share that one offsite court, I believe. So I think that's probably what he means. Gotcha. Also, probably more of an emphasis on the facility itself than just having a basketball court, because you know, putting together a basketball court isn't going to be all that expensive. Um, you know, especially with a school, you know, like KSU having the budget it does. Well, finding the room for it probably is more, you know, the problem. I mean, hey, at one point the volleyball team was practicing at the rec center and I was like, man, there, if there's not, you know, an indicator of, you know, us needing better facilities, then that was it. I was like, you know, I'm playing pickup basketball right next to um, all these girls who are getting free tuition. That's true. And, um, you know, you're feeling bad because, you know, you should be getting free tuition by being kicker on the football team, right? That's okay. I got Hope Scholarship, so, you know, I'm, I'm covered. <laughs> Hope, does Hope cover you the entire way? It is 100% now, so my comment uh, is yeah. invalidated. But it's 100% plus, you know, a bunch of random fees that they slap you in the face with, and then it comes out to like $700, um, but still better than it was previously. I will be laughing at you having to pay that 700 out of pocket, so enjoy that. Um, Our next comment is from a loyal listener who wanted to be anonymous. He writes, or she, uh, we don't currently have the demand to justify a new basketball arena or football stadium. I don't believe new stadiums are the silver bullet everyone is looking for, and we don't have the financial backing right now to undertake projects of that magnitude. Norman Radow and Carrick Martin are far more connected than I am, and they said it best when we need to demonstrate demand before talking expansion. Uh, Carrick hit it on the nose when he detailed all the other facilities that desperately need our attention before we discuss stadiums. I'd be interested in hearing everyone's plans, what everyone's plans are for maximizing our existing facilities. We have made great progress this past athletic season with regard to attendance, but we still have plenty of room to improve. The university has committed more resources than ever to help grow the game day experience and entice folks to come out. We haven't yet reached a point where the convo is open to full capacity every game, and we aren't consistently packing out fifth, third stadium. Uh, end, uh, End comment. So where do I stand on this? I know Kai, you know what? I'll let you go first. Go ahead, Kai. Yeah, sure. So I think um, an important distinction to make is the the desire for new facilities is different for football than it is for basketball. For football, it's people being like, okay, we're moving up to the next level. You know, we need a stadium with greater capacity. Um, And in that case, I think he's totally right. Like we're not, you know, regularly filling up fifth third, but also, um, you know, last season we had nothing to play for. And if we, you know, were competing for a conference USA championship, that would have been different. Um, the issue with the convocation center is it's not a basketball specific facility um, and it desperately needs a few touch-ups. I mean, the, the padding behind the baskets is always uneven and loose and weird. And you have chairs that are just, you know, not ticketable. Um, I think that's the best word. So I think if uh, the basketball program um, creates sustained success over the next couple of years, I think it's absolutely okay to, you know, want a new basketball arena. You know, it doesn't need to be bigger. It doesn't need to be bigger than the 3805 or whatever it currently is listed as, you know, it gets loud enough as is. Um, So basketball, it's not an attendance thing, but if you want to be taken more seriously as a program um, and really, really continue the success, you know, post Petway or, you know, maybe Petway sticks around for 10 years, you know, I'm not going to speak anything into existence, hopefully, but uh, it just, it, it's not a basketball specific facility. And I think long-term that remains a serious recruiting issue. I think that the football stadium is holding us back in terms of recruiting more than the basketball situation. Um, You know, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, you, 
we obviously can't fill the football stadium, but we need a bigger football stadium to get better recruits. And in order to get better recruits, we probably need better facilities and a better stadium. It's like, you know, the chicken and the egg. We can't get one, you know, can't get one without the other, which came first, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's not just for getting butts and seats. It's to kind of sell kids on it so we can get that talent that we need. But there's so many other things we need, like NIL and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it, again, it's not just for, you know, fans and the capacity. Yeah, but I, I still think uh, Fifth Third is in better shape than the Convocation Center, just as a venue. Um, and I would rather have 10,000 people um, in a stadium that seats 10,000 than 10,000 people in a stadium that seats 22,000. Um, and I think that just looks better to everybody in general. But, um, you know, who knows, maybe we start winning sooner than we expected to in Conference USA. And then, uh, you know, that that becomes more of an issue. Um, but we'll see. Time will tell. Um, yeah, it's the the attention has shifted from football to basketball with the conference move. Um, and I think that plays a big role. And, you know, previously there was no reason to upgrade the convocation center. Um, it didn't seem like the department cared all that much. There was no fan interest. You know, recruiting was poor. Um, but now there is. Um, and I think we're watching the department slowly figure out how to handle that. And and there's, you know, there's, you know, give and take on all these issues. Um, as far as the convocation center goes, you know, we can fix those chairs that are out, you know, pretty quickly and pretty easily, I would think and I would hope I don't know why nobody has yet. But I kind of like it, you know, the way it is. It's it's not it's not terribly small, like a Presbyterian USC upstate or anything like that. And, you know, a small state, a small arena does have good acoustics. Um, yes, it's not basketball specific, but and also we're not filling it up, you know, all the way. But man, that creates a good home court advantage just by having it pretty small and having all the sound, you know, compacted. Yeah, I fully agree. And I like the uniqueness of it a little bit. Um, but you know, I'm not the one who this is ultimately important to, um, you know, it's, it's always going to have a special place in my heart. If we move on from it, um, I do like the convocation center, but like you said, there are, there are just a few like little things that seem like such easy fixes that we're just being lazy with for some reason. Um, and I would just, I, I need to see some sort of sense of urgency, you know, when it comes to just touch-ups, not even upgrades, just touch-ups, man. Like we, there are two seats in there that I could point out to you right now that, you know, are just unsellable. Like I sit next to one. So I, I definitely literally right next to one. Uh, you sit next to the one with like the, uh, the caution tape on it. Yeah. 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 There you go. So I'm like, come on, like we need to be taken more seriously. <laughs> I like it. It's leg room. I could put my drink down there. I oh, mean I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do, but it's ugly. <laughs> yes, it is. But you know, where would we put the new stadium? I mean, I, I also like that it's on campus. So, you know, students that are in the housing can just walk right over. It makes it easy for them. I mean, there are advantages to, you know, keeping it where it's at. I mean, sure, we can, you know, uh, gussy it up. Wow, I can't believe I said gussy it up. But um, we could do that and make it nicer. But, you know, I kind of, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm partial to, you know, I like the convo. It's, it's, it's our stadium or it's our oh. I'll agree with you. Uh, I think the location is perfect. Um, I think there is room around campus, you know, where you could theoretically put a basketball arena. I mean, there's a ton of open grass next to the $12 million sign. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, um, yeah. So moving on, um, Menace to Society uh, writes, football, we are heading to Conference USA. So I think an updated stadium would be a nice, would be nice for revenue and draw a bigger crowd. Um, I'm not sure it would, uh, you look across the conference at some of the schools who have stadiums that are twice the size of ours, and they have struggled to fill them up in recent years when performance is poor. Um, so I don't think just expanding capacity would draw a bigger crowd. I think it would for like the first few games, kind of like just any kind of new toy and then in like a novelty sort of way. Yeah. Yes. And then it would wear off and then we'd be back to, you know, kind of, where we were and we'd have that new stadium and then everybody's complaining about how do we get people to go into the new stadium it's it's we spent all this money and it's so empty you know we really need a team that you know to really win and take it to the next level you know get to a, a decent bowl game or win the conference or something um it's so much easier i think to you know 
basketball just makes it a lot easier for like a mid-major to, you know, really get somewhere and, you know, get to the conference tournament where we're going to have to kind of get to a, you know, a bowl game that does not involve, you know, like a, a random paper company or something like that. Yeah, I totally agree. But I also understand um, the perspective of in a perfect world, if both sports, you know, continue to improve and sustain success, then the, um, the, the want for a bigger capacity venue is going to be more urgent in football than it is basketball. You know, um, I think we can function just fine with a 4,000 seat arena in basketball for the next 30, 40 years, no matter how good we get. Yeah. And you know what? I, I won't even say that because, you know, we have 40, 40 plus thousand students now and increasing, you know, alum base. If we can keep winning and keep increasing people that, you know, give a shit, you know, maybe we can, you know, fill up those upper rafters to where, you know, it's harder ticket to get. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and that comes with, uh, you know, increased donor money, hopefully, um, especially if the team keeps winning and, you know, this growing alumni base wants to keep giving back. So that is worth the mention. Well, everyone's getting poor in society. So we'll hope our, we'll hope for the best. Um, Chaz D writes, it would be nice if we could invest in a new football stadium, one that is only used for American football. But given the fact that we know it is expandable and we're at the point now that we are still fighting to get people in the stands, let's talk basketball first. So Chaz is one of the, the few basketball people here on the uh, in the comments. Yeah, uh, representing the minority here. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, We'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm standing on, you know, I think basketball just needs touch-ups and I think it would probably be easier to make certain renovations in the convocation center, but I know nothing about architecture. Um, but, you know, currently basketball is the, the flagship program. Um, we'll see how long that stays the case, but you know, I, I get where he's coming from. Yep. Who you got next? Yep. Jacob L says football stadium. Our current football stadium is a soccer stadium. This is true, but um, I don't know. Football is soccer in Europe. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's not a bad soccer stadium. Um, you know, I think there are things that need to be upgraded for us to be on the same level as some of these other schools. I mean, it's back to what Carrick said. I think, you know, having a, a real training facility right by the stadium um, is probably more important. Um, I don't think it being a soccer stadium uh, is that big of a deal, um, you know, these cross sport things happen. It's, it's, it's not dirty. It's not broken down. Um, I think it gets a little too much hate. Honestly, you want to know how we can fill the stadium and get a crowd. Here's what you do. Free alcohol, free beer. Um, and don't, uh, don't ID anybody. There you go. <laughs> I think the, uh, either the white Sox or the Cleveland Indians tried that back in the seventies. I think it was like death to was a death to disco night where they had like 50 cent beer yeah, that got people in the stands. So take yeah. a that book. Let's do that. Let's think how crazy the crowd is going to be and all those fun fights we can watch if we're not winning. I mean, that's going to be a pretty awesome. Yeah, Kennesaw Riot video essays <laughs> in 20 years would be awesome. <laughs> there we go. Um, Michael G writes, basketball, the atmosphere is nice, but could be much better having the student section down near the floor. Football. The stadium seems easier to expand, add a second deck on the home side to start and expand as needed after that. So, you know, um, could be, yeah, I would like to move the student section, you know, in the basketball arena. I would like to get rid of the, uh, the dancing cheerleaders or whatever it is and have two true student sections. Okay. To be fair, during the uh, tournament games last year, they filled up both sides. So that was, okay. so um, I think they just kind of throw them in there when they know that both sides aren't going to fill up. Um, I do think the department prioritizes that. Um, I don't know if that's realistic that they would bring the student section down near the basket. I think that there are like, there are chairs under the stands that can fold out and do that. Um, but to be honest, I don't hate the positioning of our student section. It could be a little bigger because we can definitely fill it up, you know, during big time conference games. Um, the students, I think, have proved that more than the general population um, that they show up when it matters. Um, so I like where the student section is. I, I was there, you know, as a student or even after as a student, I was there because there were no students. So I had to sit in that student section for what, almost five years after I graduated just to, you know, make some noise and, you know, 
be able to yell at the bench. I mean, we're right above the bench. You can yell at the coach. The players can hear you. I mean, on both sides, depending on which side you sit at, that's perfect. I love it. And that's another thing I love about the convocation center. Right. And, you know, distracting opponents shooting free throws, you know, it's perfectly placed. Um, exactly. Especially before we really had a band. I mean, it was just dead quiet sometimes during games. So, you know, you really get a chance to, you know, nobody was attending. So I really had a chance to make an impact. You can say whatever you want. You know, if the game's not going to entertain you, uh, you know, entertain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, uh, Luis or Louis L. Lewis. Lewis. Gotcha. It says football stadium. I think the convo works fine for our needs moving to CUSA. Fifth thirds, on the other hand, uh, definitely needs an upgrade as we move up to FBS. Uh, that's what everybody is saying. But also, you know, back to the same point, we got to fill it up as is now. Um, uh, like you said earlier, John, I think if we just expanded um, like next year, I think you would maybe draw people in once or twice for the hell of it and be like, you know, oh, we can we can fill it up. And the athletic department would make a super big push to get uh, butts and seats and take some nice pictures. But I don't think it would be sustainable. How about dancing grandmas? I mean, like at the halftime show, that will get people in there. Absolutely. Uh, that was the best halftime show we've had all year. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. They did the they did one two step by Ciara. I mean, amazing. Hey, there were two there were two grandpas in there. Don't forget about them. Those lucky dogs. I'll tell you that. But uh, Robert C writes. Uh, you have the uh, football stadium. It's not really a D1 stadium. A uh, nice little stadium for uh, lower levels. So Robert says the football stadium needs to be upgraded. So um, common, common perception. I think we should move on, I guess, to the next one. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a simple comment, but he's not wrong. It no. will be the small stadium in D1. So, yeah, yeah. we've addressed that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Pierce A says, I think it has to be the football stadium. Both are not necessarily up to par, but the basketball arena is better overall is in better overall standing than the football stadium. Plus they have to add more seats to meet the minimum average. Um, that is no longer the case. Uh, the NCAA um, did away with that last year, uh, just in the nick of time. So um, that's not something we have to worry about. And I've got a feeling that's something that the department is uh, very relieved about. Um, so now if they want to leave it as is, uh, they totally can. Um, so there's no urgency there. Um, but you know, it's same point. Um, you know, it's once, once there's a demand for it, um, that conversation will be, will be a bigger issue. I think it's a worry from the department, just from a general perception issue, sure. you know, especially if we start FBS and it's empty, I think the whole FBS thing I think there could be some novelty here to where it could spike the attendance for a little while. And then if we are not very good, you know, a couple of weeks into the season, then it could, you know, go back down. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, who really cares? You know, I mean, you're going to get like the R slash FCS accounts and a bunch of people on Twitter being like, Hey, Kennesaw, you know, they uh they moved up to FBS and they can't fill their own stadium when they're one and eight. It's like I mean, you know, you're gonna have the the talking heads on Twitter, but I don't think anybody's really gonna care that deeply. There's no real life consequence out of outside of social media embarrassment, in my opinion. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, long lived legend uh, says it's definitely got to be the football stadium uh, and have uh, USG build us a basketball arena. So he's kind of going back to that uh, thought from, I guess, TMAC and whatnot, that they're going to build us a arena anyway. So let's get the football stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, if that is the case, um, somebody brought that up earlier. I think it was TMAC. Um, then yeah, <laughs> great. I, I would love for the state to just gift us a new arena and uh, it would be kind of unfair if they didn't. Um, I think at this point, uh, Kennesaw State is a more impactful major university than Southern or State, so, um, and has a better basketball program at, you know, the time being. You have to remember, money grows on trees, so, you know, all this money that we get, you know, it's of no consequence, so, you know, free money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the from a, a non-sports perspective, I'm not a huge fan of us, you know, just springing up these stadiums left and right, but... You know, if it's going to happen, you know, I'm not going to stop it. You know, I'll I'll reap the benefits of a new basketball arena. I, I think it should stop right after they get to our arena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. 
Um, just like they added the $5 million increase to go to FBS and make that jump right after we got it on the bus. I've got a feeling that UGA might be ahead of us on that list because I know that their arena is literally falling apart um, and they've gotten a lot better this year. So we'll see. Um, But uh, our last uh, submission was from Nick C. He says, my heart says basketball arena because of the recent success. But with the move to Conference USA, the football arena will bring more money for for the athletic department. Um, I think he makes a good point. I think uh, this debate is kind of blurred by the recent success of the basketball program and the recent, um, I don't want to say failure, but the recent lack of success um, from the football team. And I think we need to remember that the move to Conference USA was primarily a football move um, and long-term vision. Um, I think the the football program is going to have more of an impact on the school if all things work out perfectly. So I think Nick C makes a pretty good point here. Do you guys think that if football had whatever are considered equal success to what basketball is having right now for a season, um, could we fill up the football stadium on a regular basis? At the FCS level, probably not, because we arguably had more success at the FCS level than we did, um, you know, in basketball. But I think if we go 12 and 0, um, and, you know, finish at the top of the group of five next year and your two years from now and make the, you know, make whatever New Year's Six Bowl or the playoff or whatever, then absolutely. Yeah, but that's even that that's a much higher, you know, level of success than what the basketball program experienced. Yeah. And with with basketball, though, you have the NCAA tournament. It's always yeah. looming. that always, you know, that chance to be profiled in the national spotlight as opposed to yeah. getting a random bowl. I mean, are people going to respond to us being 12 and 0, even though we're moved up, we're beating, you know, schools like Middle Tennessee State, UTEP, whatever. I mean, we're still not, you know what I mean? Not nearly competitive, probably with, you know, the UGAs of the world, you know, Tennessee's, whatnot. I mean, do people will people care enough to get their butts in the seats and forego, you know, ACC, SEC games if we put together a whole undefeated season and just kick ass? I think, um, being a football team at our level in the South, I think you need to be a whole lot better, but I think it is possible. You know, it's not as simple as, um, and Nick makes a good point, you know, you know, with conference USA, we'll be playing games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights and we'll kind of have that market locked down. But, um, you know, I think you need to be a whole lot better to take away the attention from the Georgias and the Georgia techs of the world. Um, it's not as easy as going on a, a run and winning your conference in, um, in basketball, you know, and, hanging a banner for a conference championship. Um, but if you go 12 and 0 and win conference USA, um, you're going to get people in seats. You're going to gain a lot of interest. And I know producer Nick had something that he wanted to talk about after we got through with the listener feedback. So a fun little thing that I thought about is a solution to both of these problems. If, if we want an arena for both, then we follow in the footsteps of a great school from the Northeast known as Syracuse. We build our own version of the carrier dome down here, and it is a multi-use for football and basketball. Thoughts. And then we make both atmospheres worse. <laughs> and no, you know, like when the when the basketball team is, you know, kicking ass and the football team's going one and eleven, we can be like Syracuse and be like, hey, the basketball program is outdrawing the football program. That's that's kind of funny, right? <laughs> We'd also be the only air-conditioned D1 program in the South that I know of. Is that true? Are there no – I yeah, I can't think of one. I mean, outside of the Texas schools. Yeah, I was thinking like UTSA plays in the Alamo Dome. Yeah. Um, I mean, Georgia State had the dome. Um, had. Had the dome, yeah. I think they're happier uh, with their current situation, but yeah. I'm pretty speechless on that one. So, you know, I, I haven't, yeah, for once I'm speechless. Uh, that's a, that's a dream experience of mine going and seeing the carrier dome because it just looks so terrible, <laughs> but you know, uh, great basketball fans. So I hear, or maybe we should build a ship and play our basketball games on a ship. We did have somebody, um, comment on Twitter during the recording. I'll go ahead and read that and we'll go ahead and sign off. Um, Josh M says, I'd say football, but if y'all are still struggling with attendance, haven't paid attention in years, he says, that's an issue and not worth a major investment right now. Your arena isn't bad, but if y'all are filling it consistently, it might be worth some more investment. Is that the Liberty fan? 
Um, I am not sure. It looks like it, yeah. So, you know, so. his opinion uh, means less than the Kennesaw State fans. <laughs> yes, he's well, he, he'll he'll count as like one half of an opinion. So, thanks for uh, tuning in, Josh. Yes, we appreciate it, Josh. Thanks so much. If you uh, made it this far, then truly thank you. I think he used to be one of uh, Jerry's jokers way back in the day. Uh, I've oh. uh, he's followed me for uh, quite a while. You know, wearing the the face paint, and he used to go to all the games, and uh, he made this annoying shrieking sound just to annoy the crap out of everybody. I don't know if you guys, Nick, you're shaking your head. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. They had a whole uh, documentary or like short video that the athletics department did on him for him. And it was really cool. Like, and it had videos from all the different arenas and they clipped his little like yelling thing in with it. So it was like, like as the team's running out of the tunnel, it was really wacky, but I, I thought it was kind of cool. I was there at a game when he did it. So celebrity participation on the all chat podcast so that's 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 something like roger from american dad i could see doing something ridiculous like that um so but yeah i think that's all we've got um surprisingly long midweek but hope you guys all enjoyed it john you got anything else nah man i think 75 minutes uh, is going to be enough yep i hope so but uh yeah we'll be back to recap uh stetson next everybody have a great rest of the week Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kaimalette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!